This is Scott Becker with the combined episode of the Becker's Healthcare Podcast and the Becker Private Equity Podcast. Today, we're discussing 18 trends in healthcare. And, and, and the discussion comes out of a uh, conference that we're at, some of the discussions, some of the things we've been following, and a keynote talk that we get to give later this week at a, at a spine conference of all places in uh, Las Vegas. So God bless. But here's 18 trends that we're following. First, healthcare is what we call a math problem. Basically, a supply and demand problem. There's about 330 million people out there versus less than 1 million, 1.1 million doctors and less than 4 million nurses. And the list goes on in terms of the supply versus demand, the demand for healthcare services versus the supply of clinicians and labor to take care of those people. And you've just got a mismatch. And, and no matter how much technology improves, that mismatch, that math problem is a real, real problem. Second, Healthcare is what we call a power problem. And what I mean by that is we've got four big payers that are four of the largest companies in America uh, by revenue. So four of the payers are four of the largest companies in America by revenues. And, and, and those dwarf in size or those dwarf the size of hospitals and health systems, the largest health systems might be $30 billion in revenues. The largest payers might be $300 billion plus in revenues, $340 billion plus in revenues. And not to mention smaller physician practices, the very disparate world and uh, unconsolidated world of hospitals and health systems and of physicians compared to that of the big payers. So healthcare is sort of a, 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 a power problem. You've got big power mass in certain places and not enough power in other places. Third, healthcare is what we call a thinking problem. So many people talk about healthcare in terms of solutions versus technology versus people, value-based versus fee-for-service. The reality of healthcare is there's not really binary answers. Most of the answers are somewhere in between value-based and fee-for-service or somewhere between technology and people labor needs. It's not a it's not a binary situation. It's very much in the gray and lots of discussions to how to solve things has to be in the gray to deliver better health care to a greater amount of population. Fourth, there's this concept that you hear so often that value-based care is the answer. And, and the reality is people talk about value-based care versus fee-for-service. Each has their problems in different ways. Neither is uniquely the answer or the solution. At the end of the day, supply versus demand, intelligent uses of resources, technology plus people, those are the answers. If you take one payment system, certain people are scoundrels in value-based care, those that don't provide enough care. Certain people are scoundrels in fee-for-service, those that provide too much fee-for-service. One versus the other is not necessarily the answer. And that seems to be proven time and time again. Fifth, many people talk about preventive care being the answer. And again, preventive care is very helpful. And there are so many things we need to do on a preventive basis, not the least of which as a nation is, is get ourselves healthier from a weight loss perspective and so many other things. But preventive care without enough doctors and nurses and clinicians itself is a disaster. Think about the challenges that the largest countries in the world faced during COVID, where they tried to rely heavily on preventive care and didn't have enough nurses and doctors. If you look at countries like China, because of the need to do preventive care, they had to go so far in it because they have so few clinicians per their population that they had to work hard to almost lock everybody down. Similarly, in India, which has a billion four people, I can't even imagine the magnitude of the challenges taking care of a population of a billion four, but at some point, preventive care and everything else, but just not nearly enough doctors and nurses to take care of the population. So yes, preventive care, 
But to the extent preventive care doesn't answer the question, we ought to make sure that we also have enough nurses and doctors and, and people that take care of people to go with the preventive care. So the sixth issue we talk about in terms of looking at trends is this issue of technology plus labors and doctors are the answer, not one or the other. It's, it's we look at this and say, automation and, and AI and generative AI and all these things, but people as well to take care of people. The seventh issue we look at is that healthcare administrative challenges and costs are part of the problem. We've got in our country between Medicaid, the VA, Medicare, payers, 70 to 100 different payment systems, 70 to 100 different administrative systems. It, this is all in one country. And, and this is relatively, to have insanity of this many different health systems. Now, I'm not necessarily an advocate for a single payer system or, or something like that, but it might be the answer, which is a different question. But at the end of the day, we, we do have a healthcare administrative cost problem in our country. Eighth, Everybody talks about coverage. And, and finally, with the Affordable Care Act and so forth, we got ourselves down to only about 8 to 10% of the population that's not covered by insurance. But again, coverage is only part of the part of the problem. Coverage we need. I think we should have coverage for everybody. I'm a believer. But coverage without access is a problem. If we don't have enough resources, we don't have enough people, we're going to have coverage, but we won't have access. And they're two very different things. Uh, ninth, we're already at a, pro, in a, at a spot in our country where to get to the right specialist, you need to know somebody. And this is an example of access. It's also an example of how our medical education system is upside down. It was developed pre-internet. It, it takes now to become a doctor. If you start medical school at 22, 22, 24, you're really not done by 30 to 34. This is a, a ridiculous system of education that was invented pre the internet. Other countries do it incredibly well. We turn out great doctors in the country. We just do it inefficiently with lots of debt and very slowly. Other countries do it in six to eight years total. We do it now in 10 years total. And it's it's become an absolute ridiculous system between education and residency and free graduate school and, and so forth and fellowships. It's become literally uh, incredible how poorly designed our medical education system is. It turns out great doctors. It just does so horribly inefficiently. Tenth, uh, we've talked about access to specialists already. That we've we've come to this incredible situation where to be able to access a specialist, you need to know somebody. Primary care, awesome. People talk about how we should have a primary care driven healthcare system. We don't disagree with that. The problem is the best estimates are that we're two hundred thousand primary care doctors short of having enough primary care doctors to have a primary care driven specialist where you really see a primary care doctor first. And that could be primary care physicians, that could be physician assistants. But if we're 200,000 short and we turn out 18 to 20,000 primary care physicians a year, that, that's a real challenge. 10th, where you do their 10th or the 11th point, we increasingly have rural and urban healthcare deserts. And this is a disaster in our country as well, and partially driven by the fact that we turn out doctors, nurses, clinicians so inefficiently, we force them to go through so much school, so much residence, so much everything, when a lot of it could be done a lot quicker and more efficiently. 11th, we talk about Optum United. And Optum United is a magnificent company for all of their power, all of their strength. They got so far ahead out of building a broad system compared to everybody else. So you see right now, all these other companies are working so hard to play catch up and filling gaps that, that Optum and United Healthcare get out in front of 10, 15 years ago. And so not a plus or a minus about United Healthcare, about Optum, 
but they got so far out in front of everybody else and building the system that they're building that it's really remarkable what they've done. Twelfth, pre-authorization, the stoppage of care uh, that surgeons and others think has to be delivered, that hospitals have to deliver. Again, pre-authorization has become the modern arms race in healthcare, and it's its own trend. It's its own debacle how bad this has become and the amount of arms races going on between, on one hand, payers, on the other hand, providers over pre-authorization. It's become its own sort of war zone and, and fascinating to watch. Thirteen with all the accumulators of physicians, the consolidators of physicians, whether it's the Amazons, the, the Walgreens, the CVSs, the Walmarts, there just aren't enough doctors for all the health systems and parties that are trying to accumulate doctors. So again, when we go back to Optum United, they got so far ahead of this, they've got 70,000 doctors in their employment. They're just, they're just way ahead of everybody else in it. It's remarkable what they've done, but we've got to figure out a way to fix our medical education system. We're going to be in a spot where we're trying to rely so much on preventive care, on, on, on other types of efforts, but but there's just not enough technology, but there's just not enough doctors and nurses to actually take care of people, and we still need those very badly. 14th, access issues are a real challenge. We've talked about access a lot. One of the things you also see in practice, and one of the trends we see is access issues drive people back to the emergency department after years of trying to move people away from the emergency department, which is often an expensive place to care. But more and more people going back to emergency rooms when we didn't expect that to happen because there's no other way to get the primary care or the specialists that you need. A 15th point is a discussion about Medicare Advantage. And we jokingly say that Medicare Advantage doesn't seem to be an advantage for consumers, the doctors, or the health systems, or the government. What's really happened with Medicare Advantage became quite politically motivated. Trump was a pro-Medicare Advantage person. Biden was an anti-Medicare Advantage person. Then Biden was talked about the insurance lobby and became a pro-Medicare Advantage person. Now Medicare Advantage is more than 50% of the Medicare program. And you see costing the government more than traditional Medicare, which was not the expectation, and also a situation where consumers, health systems, everybody else is starting to feel the challenges of being able to take care of patients that don't have access to them through Medicare Advantage plans. So Medicare Advantage, Medicare Disadvantage, whatever you want to call it. The 16th issue we'll talk about, and it's a sensitive issue. Our, our nation has a what we would call a weight problem. The weight problem goes into so many of the other disease states that happen, whether it's metabolic issues, cardiovascular issues, oncology issues, dementia, Alzheimer's issues. The, the big killers of Americans all tie back to, not all tie back to, but there's a part of it that ties back to the weight problem. One of the things we talk about is healthcare not being binary. When I look at the weight problem and the, the evolution of the weight loss drugs, the diabetes drugs now being used for weight loss, this is an absolutely fascinating situation because what you've got is immediately two sides take different stances. The pharmaceutical companies take the stance that the weight loss Drugs are the great panacea. They certainly are for their profitability. The payers take the, the position on the absolute other side that the weight loss drugs have all kinds of bad consequences, even before they've studied them. The consequence they know they have is that they cost a lot of money. So the payers immediately come out on one position, the pharmaceutical companies on the other position. And this is a lot of what we discuss in healthcare. It's really not binary. The true answer in this is probably somewhere in between. Uh, 17th, and we just mentioned this a moment ago, the four biggest sort of killers of Americans or people in our country and probably in other countries as well, cancer, heart disease, metabolic issues, and mental health slash dementia, and Alzheimer's issues and so forth. Many of these require lifelong attention to really screen and to watch and to take care of. I mean, I will say it often, physical and mental health. It's if you wait till you're older to start really focusing on physical and mental health, 
you've got problems. It's almost a lifelong problem for all of us. Great book in the subject by Dr. Peter Atia, the book Outlive, a, a different discussion. 18, the 18th trend we're watching is two things that are particularly debacle in terms of care in our nation. And again, great shortages, rural, urban, every place else, maternal health and behavioral health, just a real debacle that our country ranks so low in maternal health and, and, and child care health, uh, as, as well as behavioral health, just a tremendous shortages of psychologists, social workers, psychiatrists, and everything else at a time when mental health issues and the pace of change in America is causing a tremendous amount of anxiety, depression, and everything else. So that's the that's the 18th trend that we're watching is tremendous challenges in maternal health and, and mental health. In any event, thank you so much for listening to this special combined episode of the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, the Becker Private Equity Podcast. We're recording this on site at the Becker's Health IT Conference and Digital Health Conference. So we hope that there's not too much noise in the background. And again, thank you to our wonderful producers who are with us today, Kate Cruz and Chanel Bunger. Thank you so much for joining us.